Amen. Hey, uh, if you're new here, uh, welcome. If it's your second time back, welcome back. If, if you've been here for a while, waiting for my lunch invite. Um, just waiting for you guys to invite Jim and I out to lunch. You guys are partners. You guys are here, right? Uh, thank you guys for coming. Uh, my name is Brian, one of the pastors on staff, right? And, and, and we've, been, uh, we've been in this series uh, called uh, To Timothy, right? It's Paul writing to Timothy uh, about some, some stuff, right? He's, t- he's telling Timothy, hey, hey, can you teach and urge these things to the church, Right, Paul is writing to Timothy, who is just a young, young guy, right? Uh, he, he's a young pastor leading a church plant, and uh, he's talking about, he's, he's telling Timothy, hey, beware of false teachers, beware of people who uh, say they're Christians, right? Uh, beware of people who are going to enter into the church, and a few years later, they might leave. Right? And not only that, they're going to leave the faith altogether. They might take some people with them. And then he goes into certain sensitive topics of like, hey, th- this is how you honor true widows. Not just a widow, but a true widow. And then he goes into just qualifications of how to honor elders, right? What an elder is, what it is to be an elder. Okay? Um, and, and that became a more of a sensitive topic in, in our culture today because, you know, men aren't stepping up, so women got to step up. And so um, there's a lot of women empowerment, which is good, which is really, really good. Right, and uh, today we, we kind of get into a more dark, uh, a darker part of, of Paul's scripture um, that has some some da- a dark past and, and just an evil past. Right, and we're going to talk about slavery, uh, not because it's Black History Month or anything like that. Right, uh, just how scripture is lining up and how we lined up this series. Um, right, and, and we're going to talk about. Slavery and some of us might be really uncomfortable, um, and some of us might not agree with what Scripture is saying. Um, and some of us might even look at Scripture and say, "Man, God, God loves slavery. He supports it." Okay, that, that's a wrong view. That that was like a view that like a few hundred years ago, where there were pastors who were promoting that. Man, have slaves. It's awesome. Right? This is good, right? God teaches us to, to be rulers over people. It was never meant that way. Never, never meant that way. And so um, b- before uh, w- we get further, I-, I just really want us to point out uh, th- this is our faith history and also uh, history here in America. Th- th- this is kind of what uh, the four types of slavery that we have seen through the generations. And so they're going to be up on that screen uh, so the first one, right, the first type of slavery, right, is Hebrew servanthood. All right, it's, it's a voluntary, right, servanthood des, uh, designed to provide for poor Israelites and their families. Right? If there was a poor Israelite uh, and they needed food, they needed a place to stay, right, they would enter into servanthood. Uh, and the master would provide a place, a roof over their head. Right, and be really good to them. Right, in a perfect world, the master's very, very good. Right, um, but because of humanity, we abuse that power. Right, all these types of slavery are all product of sin. And so the second one, right, and it, very similar to the Hebrew servanthood, is indentured servitude. Servitude, right? It's a voluntary contract where I owe something to somebody. I don't have the money, so I'm going to 
enter into this servanthood. Uh, so I'm going to work an X amount of years and pay off my debt. Okay, and sometimes, right, the servant realized the master's so good and they would just voluntarily just stay with him. And the third one is, is Roman slavery, uh, which we see in the New Testament and kind of what Paul talks more about. Right? Uh, often, right, with, with Roman slavery, um, it was to provide stability, security, right? And it was to gain Roman citizenship, right? Roman citizenship meant everything to some people. Right? It, it meant there was freedom involved in it. There was status involved in it, right? Roman slavery helped build up status and independence, right? At some point, the master would be like, hey, you don't got to serve me anymore. You could be your own boss. Right? And the fourth one, right, is, is racially driven, and it's literally just because of the color of your skin, you were deemed um, a slave. Right? And, and we are still dealing with some of that today. Um, I don't know where you land on this whole racial issue in America today, right? But just in general, slavery was never a good thing. Never, never a good thing. It was a product of sin. It was a product of the fall. It was a product of Adam and Eve eating of the fruit. Right? And, and there could be a fifth one up there. It's not going to be up there. Uh, it's, it's not just growing. It's here to stay in, in, in its current. Um, it, just, it just has so much momentum because of uh, the evil people behind it, right? Human trafficking, right? Young women, young, young girls getting sold into slavery, into sex labor. There's nothing good about it. It's dark. It's evil. Slavery. At its core, was dark and evil. And then just real quick, man, but before I get into the scripture, I just want you guys to understand: slavery is sinful. It really is, man. Just, just even ask yourself, like, if especially if you're married, right? Just saying the terms like "you have to do this," "I am your husband." feels very wrong. There's something wrong about that statement. It's demeaning to another human. Right? You have to do this because I am your master. I am your boss. Right? You don't respect that boss who says I am your boss. Right? There's something demeaning of that, uh, about that statement. Right? So slavery at its core was a product of sin. It is sinful. Um, I want you to know, I want you guys to know that throughout the scripture, we're going to see, like, it's going to feel like God is promoting slavery, but he's not. I want you to know that God redeemed it. Whatever was meant for evil, he meant it for good. He changed it and made it good. And so, in, in 1 Timothy 6, 1 through 12, uh, uh, 1 through 2, Paul says this, right? It's Apostle Paul talking to Timothy and the church. Um, he says, let all who are under a yoke as bond servants, right, that word can also be slave, regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled, right? Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers, 
Right? Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit their uh, good service are believers and beloved. And, and when it comes to this topic of slavery, we look at that scripture, right? We might not feel anything. Right? We, we, things, when we look at this scripture, we might not feel nothing. Right? Uh, there, there's a couple of reasons for that. Right? One is because when this topic of slavery came into uh, your history class, you didn't pay attention. Right? Not because you weren't interested, it's because you just didn't like school. So you didn't pay attention to anything. Right? The other thing could just be, um, right, it's just not in your family history. Look around. Look around the church. Right? Be- being a slave might not be in your history, but it could be part of the master part, right? And you just haven't digged, dug into that, what your family history is and how they played a part in this. And the third thing, right, uh, we might think of this subject of slavery and we just want to be ignorant to it. We don't want to think about the hurt. We don't want to think about the abuse, the oppression, the evil behind it. We don't want to be part of it. We don't want that knowledge. But, hey, man, don't be ignorant about this. Knowing this Knowing what God intended, right, from the very beginning, that slave, like slavery was all part of the fall, right, it, it, it's, it's a good thing. It will help you love people who don't look like you and die, right? It will help you be the gospel, be Jesus to them much better than you are now. And the fourth thing, right, when you look at this and you say God supports slavery, God is for slavery. He's all about it. He ordained it. Right? If that's your view, I, I hope that is not your view. Yeah. It's wrong. Right? If you're looking at that scripture and saying, oh, Paul supports what I think about slavery and it's right. No, that's not the heart of what Paul is saying. And so before we get into the heart of what this scripture is, we have to go back to the beginning. To when everything was perfect in Genesis uh, 1, 26 through uh, 27. Right? Uh, this is God who created man and woman, and he says this to them in verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over fish, over the birds, and the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. I need you guys to see this from the very beginning of time, when you and I were created. This is what God has intended. He said this, let them have power and rule over fish, birds, livestock, and all them nasty bugs and anything crawling on the ground, right? You got power over them. Nowhere do you see in perfection where humanity is ruling over humanity. You don't see that in the beginning, right? All you see is them ruling over what God has intended us to rule over, like our dogs, our cats, our fish, right? Um, Whatever other animals there are. God says, that's what you, you're ruling over. You're never ruling over another human. Um, but obviously, we, we messed that up. Right? God says, make love to your wife. Be fruitful. But that wasn't enough. That's whack. Right? He, he says, be fruitful. Enjoy each other. Be in each other's presence. Right? There's nothing wrong with that. But we said, no, that, that's not enough. I want to be like God. Right? We get tricked 
Right? Adam and Eve end up getting tricked by Satan. They eat of the fruit, right? They blame each other. And here's what happens. Here's the language we start to see where human rules over human. Right? It's all part of the fall. In Genesis 3, 16, 19, he says this. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Right? Pain enters in. Birth stinks. Right? He says, in pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. And here's the language. Right? He says, he shall rule over you. Right? We only see that language once the fall enters in, once sin enters in. It wasn't God just ruling over Adam and Eve. Now there's someone else ruling other than God. And he goes on to Adam. He says, he, he says cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat. You will know the pain of childbirth. You will know the pain of what it's like to work hard. And not only that, it's going to stink. You're going to be lifting through. If you're a nurse, you're going to be lifting 300-pound men, right, or women. You're going to know that pain of what it's like to be lifting them. Right? If you work in a factory, you're going to know what it's like to not have AC. Bruce apparently doesn't have AC at his job. That's cruelty, right? You're going to know the pain of driving 30 minutes to Whitehall just to um, look at an x-ray of an airplane, right? When some of us drive like five minutes away, you're going to know that pain of what it's like to lose time, what it's like to provide, right, for your family. That was all part of the fall. It was never intended for that. It was never, never, right? We were not supposed to experience that pain, but we chose it. Um, I just want to say this again, man, that, that the slavery is a product of sin. There's so many products of sin, and in particular, slavery is one of those things. Um, the cool thing is that God is in the... Pro is in the business and in, in, in the process of redeeming things, right? He, he's in the business of, of, of redeeming what we meant for evil and, and making it good, right? Slavery is one of those things that God puts under his control, right? Just like divorce, when divorce is this product of sin, right? And we see throughout scripture where, where God doesn't just get rid of it, but he sets rules and regulations, right? He says if, a, if you get cheated on, it's a way out, right? If you get abandoned, it's a way out, right? He doesn't get rid of it because he knows we're going to continue to do it. And so with slavery, right, he doesn't get rid of it because he knows there's going to be these abusive masters and all these things. So he puts rules and regulations where it protects the slave, it protects the person, it protects us. And so some of those things, right, this redemption process, we even see in Exodus, right, Exodus uh, 21, and we see in Leviticus. And, and here's the thing. It puts it on the master to be good. And he says, whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. You buy somebody, you buy a human, you should be put to death. That's what, that's what scripture says. Right? You want to be a bad master, sell people, sell a human, or you should be put to death. Right? He continues on. When a man strikes his slave, a male or female, right? you want to be a slave, you're going to get beaten. 
You should deserve to get beaten. Not only that, right? You deserve God's wrath, right? And this is what, what, what God is saying to, to slave owners. He's saying, look, right? here are the rules and regulations. Don't be bad. Don't be a bad leader. Treat that human well. Because if you don't, this is what you deserve. And this is what you get. Right? In Leviticus, he says this, right? If a brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself with you, you shall support him as though he were a stranger and a sojourner. He shall live with you. Right? You got a poor slave, you provide for him. You don't charge him interest for anything. How different of a mindset is that? Where our concept of slavery is abusive, right, evil and dark, God turns that around and says, you know what, I'm going to use this to provide, to protect, and to secure those who are lowly. God is in this process of redeeming what that word slave is. And um, this is... My wife, uh, Janine, she likes to, we go on the beach, we go, on a, we go to Hoffmaster, she often uh, goes off on her own and she finds sticks, right? To me, they are just straight sticks, okay? She'll go up a hill, she's like, oh, I see a stick over there. I'm like, bro, I don't see no stick over there, it's just sand, right? Uh, and, and she's like, look, look what I found. It looks like an arm, right? I'm like, uh, it looks like a stick, right? Um, so we take it. We take this thing. I don't know if that's illegal to be taking sticks from uh, a park. Don't say anything. Um, right? Uh, so she takes a stick, and we, she takes it back to the house, and, she, and I'm like, man, this thing still looks like a stick. Right? And she's like, oh, we're going to dry. It's going to dry out. Wait for it to dry. And then we're waiting for it to dry. It still looks like a stick. And then she hangs it. Right? She puts it on the table, or she hangs it. I'm like, oh, that thing is nice. <laughs> right? I'm like, it's not just a stick. It's a really pretty stick now, right? It's a decoration. It's home decor, right? And, and all of a sudden, right, my mind changes and says, this is not just a stick. This is something my wife loves, right? And so I got to make sure Bear, our dog, does not realize this is just a stick he could grab, right? So what I do, right, is we set rules and regulations to say, Bear, this is not a stick. This is your mom's stick, right? This is, this is a good stick, Right? What was meant to be just a normal stick, right? Now it's this beautiful creation, right? And that's what Christ does with this term of slavery, right? It was this evil and dark thing, right? And he takes it and says, right, you know what? I'm going to take that evil and dark thing and make sure it's something that could glorify me. I'm going to set some rules and regulations so that people can treat people well. Right? We see this throughout all of scripture where where god is redeeming what is evil and making it good and god glorifying one day right the evil stuff will go away in rome right in revelations right this is what he says in revelation 21 4 he says he will wipe away every tear from the eyes and that shall be no more neither shall be there neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away in genesis 50 20 uh, and 20 joseph says to his brothers who sold him into slavery 
right? He says this to his brothers who sold him into slavery. And he says, as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. What was evil God is redeeming to be good? Right? All the things that were a product of sin, God is in the process of redeeming. You, me, we were all products of sin, but God is in the process. He has redeemed us already, but he is doing that daily. Let's get back to the text, right? And here's the heart of it. Paul understands Right, as he writes to Timothy in, in, in verses 1 and 2, he understands, right? It's, Paul's not supporting, like, Paul's not saying, oh, God ordained slavery. No, he's not. But he does understand the full story and the history of how it came about. He understands within his church that there are slaves and servants who go to the same church. And so here's what he says, right? Uh, ho- hopefully this makes more sense. In 1 Timothy 6, 1, he says, let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own master as worthy of all honor so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Slaves, you got your masters next to you? Be good. Be good to them. Right? Serve them well. Work hard. Don't think about yourself. Right? Honor your master by working hard. Let them see your hard work. Let them see Jesus in you. I don't know if you're a boss here or in charge of other people. You know when you have like a, a defiant employee, it makes life hard. Right? Maybe you're a parent in here and your kid is, right, you're, you are in charge of your kid and they say no and you just want to flip out on them. Right? It, it's, it's hard. But, but what, what Paul is saying, like, hey, hey let's, let's make our master's life easy. Let's serve well. Let's work hard for our master. Not just for our master, ultimately for the name and the glory of the Lord. That is who your boss is. That's who your true master is. It's not this human, but it is God the Father. And he goes on in in verse 2. He says, those who have believing masters um, must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved, right? You got a boss and a manager um, who loves the Lord, work even harder for him. Right? Throughout Scripture, we see this, this call in Hebrews where he says, man, if you got a shepherd over you, serve well. Make life easy for him. Right? Um, I work for J-Road, right? Jim, who is all my friend, but also my boss. One of the ways I make his life easy, right, is uh, one of the ways is, like, I'll come in in the morning, I'll hide under his desk, take a video, and scare him, right? That's one way, right? Just to make sure he's on his toes, right? Uh, I have, like, ten videos. We have countless of videos of me scaring him, right? And the second thing is, right, um, is, is not be defiant, right? Jim is an imperfect human. He does weird things, weird things I don't agree with sometimes, Right? And I, I, there's probably weird things I do he doesn't agree with. But he is my boss. 
right? He is the guy over me. Not just Jim, but also the elders are also over me, right? And so I have a decision where I could either be defiant and be a terrible employee, or I could work hard, right? I could disagree, but disagree well, right? There's a right way to disagree and a wrong way to disagree, right? I could disagree and disagree well. I, I could serve not just uh, the elders, right, and Jim, but I could serve the Lord well, right? That my main motivation is just make life easier for Jim, right? But also to ultimately work and glorify God. And that's my main master. That's my main boss. And, and I know this language, right? This language of slavery, uh, of, of slave, is still today has this negative notion to it. But all throughout Scripture, we see Jesus being a slave, being a slave to us. And in John, he says this, right? And, and maybe this might be weak to you, like, oh, you, don't, don't just bend over backwards. No, that's not what I'm doing, right? I'm just being a good servant. Right? A good servant does voice out his opinions. A good servant, right, does, right, say stuff, has a relationship, right? There's nothing weak about that. If anything, it's even, it's humbling. It's what Jesus did, right? In, in John 13, 45, right, this is the, the night he's, well, the night on uh, which he was betrayed, right? Um, he does this for his disciples. Jesus rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. This is a slave's job, right? And he says, then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Jesus became a slave to show us love, to show us what it looks like to love extravagantly. And he goes on in, in Philippians 2. Right? Here's what Paul says about Jesus, starting in verse 4. He says, let each of you look not only to the, his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Jumping down to verse 7, Jesus emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Right, Jesus redeems this word of becoming a slave. And in, in Mark 10, 45, he says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right. Paul says, work hard. You got bo a boss under you who's, who's, who's terrible? Work hard for him. Let him see Jesus in your work, in your actions, in your words. You got a believing manager, a believing boss? Work hard for him. Work even harder. And not only that, like, don't just work for humanity, but, but, but work for me. Work for the Lord. That should be your ultimate motivation. And again, um, Jesus became a slave for us. Right? And he calls us to be a slave to him. Not to anybody else. Right? If there was any master in this world who was good, it is Jesus. He will give you security, safety, and stability.
That's his desire for us. If and when we surrender our lives to him, where if we confess our sins, if we say that he is Lord and Savior and we believe that he died on the cross, right? He becomes our new boss. He becomes our new motivation. Um, and you might be thinking, right, um, there, there's, there's a lot of terrible things in this world and uh, we think as Christians we need to change, we need to change things. Right? We need to change the systems of things because they're corrupt and everything. I, I just want you to see that Jesus in his lifetime didn't try to change systems. Taxes, terrible, terrible. I'm realizing we're getting taxed in everything, right? I, I was ignorant to taxes. Now I'm starting to understand them. It's terrible. But Jesus doesn't try to change that system. What he does, he changes the heart of the person. Matthew, the tax collector, he doesn't try to change his job, but he changes his heart. In the process of changing his heart, maybe Matthew, who is in that field, can change the system. Jesus was not in the business of changing a structure. He was in the business of changing hearts. So as we work hard, as we work hard in our jobs, and it might be a job you hate. Work hard. Right? As you work hard in your jobs, in school, whatever it may be. Right? Work hard, right? ultimately for the Lord. In Colossians, let me leave you with this. Colossians 3, 23 through 24, Paul says this. He says, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. All right, let's pray. God, I don't, I don't know if I did a good job um, talking about this, this topic of slavery. But I do know you call us to be slaves to you. Um, I never understood the negative dark history of, of that word slavery. I've always knew about it. Um, but just being able to study your word and seeing how it was evil and then you meant, and then you redeemed it and uh, you call us to be your slaves. And that's a good thing because it provides stability, security, and safety. It provides leadership. It provides guidance. It provides everything we ever wanted. God, I pray, Lord, if we're here today um, and work stinks and, and our motivation has been to please our boss, God, I pray that motivation changes and it, is, uh, it changes to us surrounding our lives to you and serving you and you alone. God, I pray that you forgive us uh, when we lose sight of that. I pray you forgive us when we um, treat people in a wrong way, as if they were lower than us. Um, God, we were created in your likeness. You created us equal. And so God, I pray that we treat people well. We treat people well. Don't like the way you did. And at some point, it might lead to our death because we love people so well.
Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stand with us as we close and sing out.